You're listening to Am I Cancelled? So, put your headphones in, tune out the world, and get cancelled with us. Hey, buddies. It is Am I Cancelled? I... I'm your hair metal screaming host, Edward. And today on the podcast, we have none other than Jen Taylor, a.k.a. The Naked Podcaster. Are you interested? I know you are. Also, do-do-do-do-do-do. Oh, I missed it a little bit. Oh, that's the first time that I've been that off. I'm ashamed. But look, today on the show, we talk about... Why she's the naked podcaster. That's the name of her podcast, by the way. Be sure to check it out. We talk about why she's the naked podcaster, what it means. We talk about her book. Hello, my name is Warrior Princess. We talk about her liking to be healthy. We talk about her coaching and her speaking. And if you would like to learn more about Jen Taylor, a.k.a. The Naked Podcaster, be sure to head over to momof18.com. That's momof18, the numbers, dot com to learn more. And now, right after the commercial break, why don't we just hop right into the interview with The Naked Podcaster, Jen Taylor. Take it away, me. If you would like to interact with the show, be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at am underscore I underscore canceled. And also check out our Facebook page, Am I Canceled? Back to the show. Jen, thank you so much for being here. Glad to have you. Thanks. It's great to be here. So I want to dive in head first and talk about your podcast, The Naked Podcaster. Uh, Besides the obvious, can you explain how that works and possibly how it came about? Absolutely. I can tell you how it came about. It's actually uh, one of my favorite stories. I had a coach a few years ago who said, you know, what's your ideal situation in your job? And I said, I don't want to have to wear pants. And so... (laughs) I was doing a podcast one day. The podcast was started. It was actually called Jen Taylor hashtag rerouting because it was about how we go through all these struggles in life or we have goals and point A to point B is not a straight line. It's like twisty, turny uphill. And my husband actually came in the room where you couldn't see him and I didn't have pants on. And so Mm -hmm. I don't I don't remember why, honestly, but. Um, afterwards she's like, so you just, you seriously are not wearing pants for what you do. And I'm like, no, I could go totally naked. Cause you usually like, look at you, look at me. You see me from the armpits up. I don't need to wear clothes. And he's like, right. so you're the naked podcaster. And I was like, wow. Oh, wow. and although it's, you know, sassy branding and good marketing and it gives you something to work with. And yes, I show up naked. It had for me, it had to be genuine. Also, it had to fit my platform and what I ask people to do on my platform is bear it all and that was actually in my language from the beginning I'm asking you to be so raw and vulnerable with your story of struggle so that people who are listening feel less alone and then you talk about the who what when where how you got through that struggle or still getting through that struggle so 
people feel less alone and they're building their toolbox of skills. Like maybe I've heard meditation 5 million times, but you say it in a way that resonates with me where I'm like, Oh, okay. Maybe I can do that and it could make a difference. So I want people to build their toolbox of skills and be supported in their struggles and trials. So they're bearing it all emotionally and I bear it all physically. I have the chutzpah <laughs> to, okay. to show up naked. You're not seeing anything anyway, but I right. I am brave enough to show up naked physically. I'm asking them to be brave enough to show up emotionally and share with me. So Wow. That is such an interesting concept. I'll do this for you so that you can do this for me. It's a equal exchange in a way. It is. And you know, as a podcaster yourself, your job in in asking questions and digging deep or going in the direction you want for your podcast, you're holding space for me today. So your job today is to guide me and direct me and hold space and make me feel safe and comfortable enough that when you ask me a question, I'm unafraid to answer. And that's such a gift that guests give to to us, you know, um, that they feel safe and comfortable enough to come on. You know, when I came on the show, you said, do you have any questions? I'm like, no, let's dive in. I have no idea what's coming, but I feel comfortable enough doing that and that you're going to hold space for me. So we just do it. And you know, that's a blessing and a gift when people are willing to be raw and vulnerable. I have lots of people cry and who are, you know, upset because it's difficult to share their struggles. So I have an immense amount of respect for those people. Now, walk me through the very first time that you decided to do this with a guest. Describe how you were feeling the first time you ever did this or the moments leading up to it as well. Uh, Well, it actually took, I I changed the name of the podcast. Um, So I was a couple months in. I didn't have to change anything else, though. My platform was, it was, everything has been exactly the same for over three and a half years. Um. It had to fit. I was concerned that or nervous about, you know, I'm a naked podcaster. So people are going to assume it's sexual. Um, It makes for a great way to brand um, that I would get negative feedback. And I felt the same way when I wrote a book, my first book, too. Like, uh, well, what what if people react negatively? And somebody said, you know, when people react negatively, you've realized you've kind of arrived (laughs) And I think it just stuck with me like, oh, when I start get when the haters start to come, I've arrived. I don't know where you've arrived or what that means, but it means you're making people pay attention. Um, I was excited because I want people to pay attention. I want people to feel supported in their struggles and I want to make it faster, easier and more supported for them. And the podcast is a way to do that. It was the same platform as my book. So there's an amount of fear in coming forward, being raw and vulnerable because I'm doing it physically naked. Right. Uh, it was a little nerve wracking. I'm I'm not self-conscious about being naked. Having said that, if you could see me top to bottom, I would de- I would definitely be uncomfortable yeah, with that. You're doing it in front of strangers. I mean. Yeah, I'm naked in front of strangers. And uh, again, you can see me from like here up. So you don't see anything private, but I am legitimately showing up naked for them. And um, so there was a little bit of nervousness, I think, around that. But not a ton. I was pretty confident once I realized, oh, my gosh, it fits perfectly. It's exactly the message that I want to send. I have no issue with it. It was my husband's idea, so he had no issue with it. Um, there is nothing sexual about it right. in nature. Um, and so I really didn't have any hesitation. I still, every once in a while, 
you know, you pop on Zoom. We both pop on and mm-hmm. we meet each other for the first time. And people are like, oh, and even though they can't yeah. see anything, it definitely. And they're like, you showed up naked. And I'm like, did you read anything? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Have you seen my podcast <laughs> anything and in the pictures i have for advertising granted you see nothing more than you would if we met on a beach right but on a beach you expect that and on my podcast page or information it's not risque again it's not sexual there's no weird posing but it definitely sends a different message than if i were in a bikini on the beach so, yeah. you know, I get some people, they just react. They're like, well, I've had some people show up naked. Four or five people have shown up naked, really excited. Okay. So, I, I mean, I think overwhelmingly it's been positive and overwhelmingly people get what I'm doing and why. And if not, once I explain it, they get what I'm doing and why. Um, and it's been, yeah, there's, there have been some negative comments and uh, interactions but I think you hit a point where that you just don't care. I don't care about right. that. That's. I mean, it comes with the territory. Essentially. It comes with the territory. People are, it's like junior high school, you know, once you're online in a platform, especially in video. And um, if there's anything that can be misconstrued. Yeah. It's like junior high school. People are going to be rude. You just learn that that's, that's not the person you're trying to help. That's not your audience. That's not what you care about. Yeah. I started uh, wanting to do interviews like this to meet interesting people and try a new format. And definitely when I was scrolling through the list of people and it's like your picture pops up, it is like it takes you taken, taken aback a little bit and it's like, yeah. well, and it's like the naked podcaster. And it's like, that's an huh. interesting person right there. <laughs> Let's well, see good. what that's about. I mean, yes, it is. And again, when a marketing agency has a has a conversation with me and they learn anything about me, yeah, it's really interesting branding from a marketing and I'm not a marketer and I'm not great at it, but from a marketing perspective, I, I'm giving them the content, they just have to do something with it and get it in front of the right people. Right. You don't have to come up with this brand idea or anything with my podcast for sure. Um, And clearly I'm not afraid of being photographed nude because (laughs) I've done a couple of those photo shoots. So, um, but really the intent is from a very genuine raw place. So yeah, it's a lot of fun. Have you met interesting people? Oh yeah, a lot of interest. I mean, yeah. there's just all sorts of people that you can find from um, life coaches to psychology majors, professional motivational speakers, and other podcasters. It's been a blast so far. Yeah. So I mean, I feel the same way. You get what you're, you know, you put out this energy of what you're looking for and what you want, and you get that. And I, so it's been a really incredible journey. It's interesting because the way that I started my podcast was focusing on cancel culture and it was more like talk radio. And then I decided to start off season two by interviewing people and people are a little thrown off by the title of my podcast, which is am I canceled is it's, it's a little like, Oh, what's this? What's, 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 what's this about? So I have to do the whole paragraph explaining like, Oh, I'm restructuring. I'm doing this and that. So yeah, you're always, and, and I've definitely had people that just, uh, completely ghosted me because of it, I think. And so, yeah, you you just take it with a grain of salt and you move on. Well, you no matter 
what business I've ever worked in or been in or done, you're going to have critical feedback. I was a stay at home mom. There's critical feedback. I was a corporate mom. There's critical feedback. I became an entrepreneurial mom. There's critical feedback. I started a podcast. I mean, like it, it doesn't matter. Again, it's like junior high school. You're too tall. You're too short. You're too fat. You're too thin. It, there's always going to be someone that doesn't resonate. And I'm not going to be someone for all people. There have been people that learned about my podcast or I've had a publicist say, hey, go beyond Jen's podcast and they read about it and were absolutely not interested. Yeah. Um I'm they're not your my people. I that doesn't hurt my feelings. I cannot be everything for everybody. There's always going to be somebody it's not a good fit for. You yeah. know, I I don't like everybody and not everybody likes me and I think that that's pretty okay. Right. And plus you don't want someone there who doesn't want to be there. That's not going to be never, a fun experience. Never. Although I have had one of those. <laughs> Tell me what they I didn't mean, want to be on yours, but came anyway. It seemed like it. The The first thing they said to me was, how long is this going to take? And I was like, that's not a good way to start. <laughs> so you, you, uh, you're a health enthusiast. You're an avid runner. What? Two questions. One, what's that like? Also, um, have you always been that way? Have you always liked to be healthy and, 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 uh, what motivates you to stay on track? That's a great question. I grew up in a space of dysfunction. So uh, from from my childhood, I learned what it was like to see somebody who struggled with weight and obesity, with diet, with depression, with food addictions, uh, alcoholism, severe anger. So I, I grew up with a lot of dysfunction in my house. Mm-hmm. And as a kid, you can know that there's got to be a, de- a different way, a better way, but not know what that is. And when I, I graduated high school at 17 and moved out, I just knew, I, I didn't know if I was an addict or what that looked like, but I knew I never, I've never done a drug in my life. You know, weed's legal now uh, here in Nevada. It has been for a while. My kids were like, now's your chance. And yeah, it wasn't the legality of it. I was the same with alcohol. It was that I was terrified of becoming like my parents. I was terrified right. of being an addict. Now, over time, that's definitely loosened up. But I knew when I left to go to high school that I didn't want to do drugs. I didn't want to drink. I didn't want to feel put I didn't want to put myself in a place where I didn't have control. We don't have control in lots of areas. And we have no choice over that uh, getting cut off on the highway, you know, but I didn't want to intentionally put myself in a space where I didn't have a lot of control. So I left home knowing that I wanted to be healthy. And, um, I didn't know what that looked like, but it was very important. And I, and I was, you know, I was in good shape when I left high school, I didn't have weight issues or anything like that. So it became instantly as a very young new adult, something that I was striving to do. So for, since then for, you know, maybe not the first couple of years in college, but I've done 90 plus percent of all of my cooking. And the cooking for my family. Yeah. Um, it was really, that was really important to me. And I wanted to exercise. I was legitimately terrified of becoming obese and depressed because that's what I saw. And I just felt like it didn't have to be that way. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I went to college. I put on the college 15. Back then we had VHS tapes because it was in 1988. And, you know, we, we put in Jane Fonda's VHS tape and started running. And uh, it was a group of us, you know, you lose that college 15 and just realized that this needed to be a lifestyle. It wasn't just 
sometimes or yeah. and it just became a lifestyle so what's that like it's like anybody else's lifestyle mine is just different so if someone's lifestyle is never cooking for themselves eating out at every meal um and consuming a lot of fast food that's just your lifestyle i'm not here right. to judge it my lifestyle is simply that i did all my own cooking and i i've stayed active um i knew that i could have health issues and it was um I'm trying to think how long ago, almost 20 years ago, 16 years ago, my father died in his fifties of a heart attack mm -hmm. and he was a raging alcoholic and his entire body was pickled. And, you know, again, that, that just gave me a reference of that's really sad. That does not have to be what life is like. And I'm super glad that I have maintained a healthy outlook. So for me, it's just the life that I live like anybody else. It's just the life that I've, lived it's helped me when i've been pregnant and when i wanted you know when you have a baby it's helped me in every aspect of my life i know i sleep better i feel better i look better I, all of those things because i like to be outside and i like to stay active so you know i don't know what that looks like it just looks like the way i decided i was going to live my life i knew that i wanted children and um I knew that I wanted to be really, really active for them. I wanted it to be, I didn't want to sit on the, on the stand of my kids' lives. Mm -hmm. And I, I felt that way from my parents, like they weren't super involved. And I wanted to be in the trenches with my kids. And I was able to do that. And now with grandkids. So yeah, it's been really fun, exciting, and an adventure. It's a lot of work, but anything you do, takes that amount of effort. I just decided that my effort was going to be in living a healthy and positive lifestyle the best that I could. Right. And this is completely inconsequential, but I am curious. So are, are you some special diet like vegan or vegetarian? Nope. 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 I've just, I mean, here is my belief on that. Anytime some new thing pops up, I am very wary. I remember what was, it, it was like a, chia seeds <laughs> like oh, years yeah. ago yeah like they're the answer to everything well i've been right. putting them in my smoothies for years and they're great but they're there's not the grapefruit diet is yeah you're gonna lose weight and yeah. the second you put anything else in your mouth you're not um i don't hold too much to any specific diet i we we have i've always tried to keep things as natural and organic as possible and i make stuff myself so i just had two peanut butter cookies i don't feel guilty about that i made them i know exactly what's in them and so i don't have an issue i if i want to eat them i can eat them so no no specific diet and you also make baby food from scratch yeah. Oh my gosh. Which one? <laughs> I did. How I did. did you how did you start doing that? Was I mean, what uh, I guess why why did you decide to start doing that? So, I mean, my oldest daughter's 28. Today, the day we're recording is December 15th. Today is my 50th birthday. Happy birthday. Thank you. So, I am 50 as of today and she is 28 and um if I am an adult who wants to put natural, healthy things in my body, I have a baby. So I, you know, I breastfed my kids. It was, I was kind of, my body was designed to do that. And it, it was normal and natural. And um, uh, so when they started eating food, I, the idea of going and getting some 
baby food from the store who has that has ingredients I can't read all of them or I don't know all of them. And again, she's 28. So we've come a long way since then as well. Um, also, I well, I lived all over when she was young, but I most of my kids were born in Alaska. So things are further away maybe more expensive, maybe harder to get, at least way back then it was. Why am I going to put, this is a brand new child. It's a new human. Why in the world, you know, am I going to get this crappy bottled baby food when I can just put things in the blender and make it for them in ice cube trays in the freezer? And then, yeah. So it was kind of a no brainer. I wanted to keep myself as healthy. Um, So, of course, I would want my kids to be that way. And now, could you talk a little bit about being a minimalist, uh, how it's changed your life and what what is entailed in living that lifestyle? It's first of all, it's very, very different for everyone. So you have to find your your place. And that was actually a difficult thing to come to realize in the beginning. We had it was six plus years ago. There were 12 kids living at home. So, you know, I have 12 backpacks and at least 12 pairs of shoes. So there's an amount of clutter just because I did family Costco style, right? So I just have more bodies in the house. But Dane and I would both come home from work feeling completely overwhelmed. Like the drive home, you're gearing up for the tornado. We had a lot of stuff. There was just things weren't getting put away. You accumulate things. You don't even know where they come from. And he looked at me one day and said, I feel like I don't even know how to help clean. We had, we had, we both had Sunday off, but I had Saturday and he had Wednesday. So we equitably split things back when I was corporate. And um, he's like, I don't even know how to help anymore. The house, I just, it's, we're just consumed. And around the same time, a friend of mine came to visit. When somebody comes to your house, you want them to feel good and relaxed and happy. And she said, wow, you have a lot of stuff. And Mm. so those two things within like a very, very, within a week or two, you know, I just went, let me look into this. And I knew it was more than buying more Rubbermaid containers to organize stuff we needed to do more and I kind of didn't know how to. So I started searching on the internet and you learn about minimalism. And then, then I understood. So we actually downsized about 80% of our home. We had a three car garage that was totally full of all the extra furniture that maybe we would keep when our kids were getting older and moving out. Let me tell you, you can find a table for free or cheap any, any day of the week. Yeah. If one of my kids needed something, we could find it. We didn't need to keep all this stuff accumulating. And I, I, you know, I mean, I had, I had like 120 pairs of shoes. I, why? I don't know, because I'm going to wear and love every single one of them. I mean, when it really made me examine my life and my consumerism and what I was trying to fill some void to make me happy through purchasing crap I didn't need. Um, and you know, I still have like 24 pairs of shoes and to some people that's extremely high and to some people it's abysmally low. You have to find, but four of them are for running. (laughs) So, So look, see, we can justify it. So we legitimately started going through 
every single room in the house. And I started in a couple places. I start, I actually started in three places. One was my closet, which took several big black garbage bags and a, a couple months to get through. Yeah. And my rule with that is I had to try every single thing on, which let me tell you what it's like to try every piece of piece of clothing on that you own. First of all, it's time consuming and it's horrible. And second, it really makes you take a hard look in the mirror at why you're keeping things. Yeah, my friend went to England and bought that jacket, that blazer, and I love it. I love it. It doesn't fit me right. So every time I put it on because I love it, I take it back off. And I have never worn it once because it doesn't fit me well. It does not matter who got it for me or how much I love it or what the sentimentality is behind it. I'm not going to wear it. It is just taking up space. And actually, every time I see it, it makes me sad because I want to wear it. And every time I put it on... Is it the jacket or is it me that's not in the right shape? You know what I mean? We attach all of these things. So I started with my closet, which took time. And if, if people really look at their stuff, you wear the same handful of stuff. And still, six years later, six plus years later, every season, I look at what I have. And I have to wear, I'll turn the hangers around. There's lots of tricks you can use. I make sure I've worn every single thing in my closet at least one time during that season or it needs to go. I have a small pile on my floor right now. There's three things that were given to me that I thought I would love that I don't. I And you just realize it's not emotional to get rid of things. So the other place I started was the easiest place in the house. We had... Um, three different like living room, family room areas. And I started with the one that had the TV in it. And I started there because it had the least to do. So when you take a room that doesn't have a lot in it to go through, but you do a little bit and you get rid of a couple of furniture pieces or you move things around and you get rid of the knickknacks and the crap that accumulates or the magazine pile or whatever it is. You walk in that room and you actually are like, I want to be in this room. And that feeling kind of spurs you on to do more and more and more. And then I, the next thing I did to start the trilogy were closets and closets are easy because when you open, you stuff stuff in closets because you don't use it very often. So it was easier. There was more to get rid of, but it was easier because there was a lot less attachment. And I would literally come home from work and just (laughs) open a closet and look at it and be like, yes, that's a feeling you want in your whole house. And so then you tackle like the family room and the kids toys and the, all of the different game stations you have. Why do we have six PS, whatever Xbox, what are we using and what are we not using and what can we sell? And then we started putting things in piles immediately. There were things that went in the trash. There were things that you could donate and there were things that you could sell. And I have to tell you, that's the other thing I, really, really don't like to, I like to go to garage sales, but I don't like to do a garage sale. And Dane was like, we need to do a garage sale. And we did garage sales for like several weekends in a row. Cause we just, every week we're going through more and more. And we saved enough money that we ended up moving out of that house. It paid for our entire deposit on the next house. Like uh, it was, it was shocking how much money we were making doing this. And then you think about people who do retail arbitrage, you purchase something mm-hmm. lower and you sell it higher to a demographic who doesn't have access to that. Yeah. And essentially we were doing retail arbitrage in our own home and that kind of lights a fire too. Like there are people that want this that will pay for it. Right. And 
I don't have to clean it and maintain it and it doesn't have to hold space in my house. And so it was just sort of an addiction um, to walking into a room and feeling light and feeling good. And it spills over into social media and your email box and, you know, your inbox. Um, it spilled over into your finances, what you spend and what you say. It was just really a phenomenal transformation. Yeah. So when I coach, I tell people minimalism is something that they need to embrace. That doesn't mean that you have to get rid of 80% of your stuff. That that means you change your attitude to one of more intention and are the things that you're surrounding yourself with bringing you joy. And if they are not, why are they there? And so it's a more of a reevaluation. Yeah, of it sounds like what you have. Sounds yeah. like uh, mostly like decluttering. And oh. if you declutter, it sounds like you're saying you also declutter your mind. In a you sense. Do. And it's a relief. Now, earlier you said that you were the Costco of kids pretty much. Yeah. And oh, yeah. that was in reference to the fact that you have 18 foster or biological kids t- together. Right. Let me pair that with book promotion. So you have a book on Amazon called Hello, My Name is Warrior Princess, where you detail a lot of information. Basically, it's about your life. So to promote your book, could you talk a little bit about what you talk about for your childhood as well as being a foster mom? My childhood was dysfunctional. So if I if you read the story or I tell you the story, basically, when you can when you think about kids in foster care and what they've been through to get there. I went through all of the same things to one level or another. So, I mean, insert topic here, you know, sexual abuse, physical abuse, whatever it is. So my, my book, I wrote about my story. And again, it was what it was a catalyst to my podcast. Nine months later, I launched a podcast and I realized that my book was one story. I'm one story. And so the podcast was so other stories could be heard. Yeah. But basically, I'm telling you the story of my life and dysfunction and what I've learned, what skills I was building, what was my toolbox. As a six-year-old kid, you don't think, oh, I'm going to use this forever. You know, in my life, when I'm an adult, I'm really going to appreciate this lesson that I learned that's a positive from this negative situation. But we are building this toolbox or this skill set as as we, you know, go through life and through struggles and trials. And it was highlighting this that, yeah, it wasn't a lot of fun growing up. In that book, I talk about, there's several people that made a significant difference in my life. And one of them was my third grade teacher, Carolyn St. Jean. And when I found her 20 years ago, she didn't remember me. I didn't stick out. We even looked at pictures and nothing. And Mm -hmm. that was wonderful. Because this wasn't a woman who looked at me as a six or seven year old third grader and thought, oh, this poor kid, I need to help her. She was legitimately just doing her job. But when I say doing her job, she wasn't just clocking in and clocking out. She was passionate about the job that she had chosen in teaching. And she was making a significant difference in my life in passing just by being herself and loving what she was doing just by being her. So it was phenomenal to me that she just, I was just one of the kids that came through her third grade class. You know, there was nothing unique or different about me that stood out to her. And it taught me this huge lesson. I mean, it taught me the lesson anyway, that we can make an enormous difference in the life of another human being in passing often without ever knowing that we've done so. If I hadn't gone back and found her and told her, she would have never known she made a difference in my life. It would have just been in passing. Um, 
that was a huge part, those two things, growing up in that dysfunction. Yeah. I was never in foster care. I grew up like foster kids. I remember CPS coming to my house once when I was about 10 and wondering why we weren't going, my sister and I weren't going with them. Um, so I knew things were wrong, but as a kid, you don't understand, you have no context to relate that to. Right. I knew they were wrong enough that I shouldn't be in the house. So between growing up in that environment and having someone make such a difference to me, foster care, being a foster parent was just sort of a natural step for me. I thought, well, yeah. if she made a difference in my life, maybe I can make a difference in the life of someone else the same way, kind of a pay it forward. So the book, you know, I, I was, I had fear around writing the book because what if my mom read it? I don't want to hurt her feelings. That's not my intention. Um, what if it hurts someone in the family? What if my kids read it and they look at me differently? And then six of my kids went through a situation where there was physical abuse involved and they came forward, which was very brave and very difficult. Three of them came mm -hmm. forward and made a, they all made a report without knowing they were doing it. And when that occurred, of course, I came, I went on mama bear, right? Like yeah. nobody, <laughs> nobody right. messes with my kids. So what I realized then is that, I would have been furious if any one of my kids was ashamed or afraid of telling their story. And so I knew that because of that, I would write my book and I wanted my kids to read it and I wanted them to look at me differently. It completely shifted because how could I be afraid of sharing my story if I wanted them to be proud and strong because of theirs, despite what they've gone through. Yeah. So it lit a fire to me, this book that I kind of always wanted to write. Then I, I had a different impression on how important it was to share the story. So sharing that book was, I mean, it was cathartic for me. It was great for me. I got it out of myself. And those of us who write books feel like there's something that's trapped inside that we want to get out. And I did it as an example of my kids to never be afraid. And then I share other stories on my podcast again, because mine's one and people who are unafraid of sharing their really raw, vulnerable, authentic stories in a very gritty and real way. Uh, I'm so proud of those people. And I wanted that example there for my kids. So they kind of yeah. all sort of circled back around and back around. Then you go to motivational speaking. Tell a little bit about what you speak about for that. That started in college and I realized I loved it. I'd been on stage because I sang. So the stage wasn't a scary place for me. I know a mm -hmm. lot of people are terrified, but for me, it was, it was not uncomfortable at all. And I realized that instead of singing, I could speak and I loved it. And I started my whole journey when I was a foster parent, I was an advocate for the state and I did that by speaking um, about foster care and about why parents should want to be basically if you've ever felt like you've wanted to be a foster parent before you hear me speak and you're going to really want to be a foster parent. So yeah. that's how it started. It, it's evolved over the years. You know, the content has changed, but my the main thing I speak and coach about is called compounding joy. So I took the theory of compound interest, which is pretty familiar to most people doing a little bit daily overtime adds up. Um, so small, easy daily actions that accumulate over time, creating more gratitude and joy in your life. So I was asked to speak a lot after the foster care journey and incorporations about 
conflict resolution and stress reduction. And that's it. Of course, it's not hard to put this together. Conflict and stress are really big issues in people's lives and they want to have them reduced. And I started talking about that because I was asked to, and I felt like it was coming from a very negative space. Here you are in conflict and stressed and you know, you're at a level eight out of 10 and you want it to stop right now. And that's a really tough space to live in and sustain. Basically, you're spending your life figuring out how to put out fires. And I don't come from that space. And I really, I had, it had been such a journey through lots of different things. But even as a kid that grew up in dysfunction, I came, I always came from a really positive space. So how did I do that? And what did I do? And why did I do that? And where did that come from? And is there science behind that? And so I stopped speaking for almost a year because I just felt the negativity and I didn't want to be the speaker that puts out fires. And I knew wholeheartedly that when you change the lens, you view the world with more gratitude and joy and positivity, those things don't stress you out as much. You're just not as stressed because you're not viewing them. Those same conversations and situations occur but your attitude is totally different. So it reduces conflict by default because you're just not engaging in the same way. Yeah. That makes sense. So I, I, I really took a long, hard look at the 15 years I spent in foster care and what I had spoken about over the last 30 years, but you know, over that first 20 years, what did I speak about that lit me up? And that's what I want to speak out about. One, I don't want to speak about something that doesn't light me up. That's not a good space to be in. Mm-hmm. But also, then I can actually make a difference in someone else's life. Well, you are certainly an inspiration. That's for sure. I mean, the thank things you. the things that you've done are simply amazing. And I want to absolutely thank you for being here today. There's so much more to dive into with you. There's certainly more interview to do so i want to extend an invitation for you to come back anytime you want just let me absolutely. know um, absolutely i had a lot of fun here today and i hope you enjoyed yourself i did thank you so much if you would like to learn more about taylor and all the things that she provides be sure to head over to mom of 18.com that's the numbers one eight by the way mom of one com. there you will find her podcast the naked podcaster her blog her book her street cred. You'll get to know more about her and it will be a wonderful time. Now, right after the commercial break, I will preview what I will probably do in the coming episodes. Stay tuned. Don't you go anywhere. Don't you don't you dare go anywhere. Since the inception of Am I Canceled, one woman has shown integrity and grace, beauty and loyalty above all others. And now that woman is the official sponsor of Am I Canceled. Thank you, Raven Michelle Everding, for your continued support. Now back to the show. Raven Michelle Everding. That is never going to get old. I'm going to come up with more production at some point. However, what's happening is in the following week, I will be house and dog sitting for somebody. And, you know, they pretty much gave me the green light to be as loud as I want, do whatever I want, podcast from the house if I want. So I'm probably going to do that. I will be on location in a new place probably doing some podcasting i've I've got a week to fill so maybe even after these interviews i've been doing there will be a little break where it's just me talking about some things maybe some guests i don't know i haven't planned it 
I'm not I'm not that good at planning on the fly. That's a joke. I don't know why I said that. I'm pretty good. But <laughs> there will probably be some podcasts released the following week on uh, just about me talking about whatever. We got some, we'll, we'll go back to the old format, except it'll be probably just me talking and we'll have a grand old time and then after that there'll be more interviews coming don't you worry the smooth interviewer edward smith will be back conducting interviews for your ears to enjoy so i hope you all had a good christmas i know this is going to be released way after christmas about a week after if you want to be technical but hope you guys had a good christmas i'm edward this is am i canceled and let's get out of here goodbye Well, that was an awful show. Thanks for listening. Tune in next week to find out if we're canceled. Until then, this has been Am I Canceled?